Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Pulp Hockey Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading on iTunes, on Stitcher, pulphockey.com. You can listen that way as well. Really appreciate it. Uh, Each and every week we'll be here talking about the NHL and uh, the relevant topics that are surrounding the game. Uh, Again, I'm Steve Mathis. Thank you for listening. With me on the line from TSN, former NHLer, Ray Ferraro. Ray, what's up, man? How are you? I'm good. I'm in in Denver today, and I did the Leafs game last night. Uh, today is Wednesday, so did the Tuesday Leaf win and um, flying to Winnipeg today for Colorado, actually, again on Thursday, but they'll be in Winnipeg. Uh, yeah, uh, that's just be exciting. So let's let's touch on the game yesterday. Uh, we got some topics. Ducks, Patrick Laine, uh, Blues, Hawks, Flyers. Uh, I want to ask you about Matthew's deal. Uh, we got some Twitter questions. We have a great Ray Ferraro game of the day, by the way. You're going to be oh. stoked. I am or, or no? No, you really will be. Yeah, it's fantastic. Okay. Fantastic yeah. day for you today, uh, way back in the day. So, um, all right, let's, let's start with the Avs because you did them last night against the Leafs. You're going to see them in, in Winnipeg and do that game. Struggling right now, uh, Colorado. They were certainly one of the early season surprises. Um, they're a mess. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's really hard to believe, Steve, and, I, and I, I have this segment for people that don't get to watch the Leaf regional games. Um, mm-hmm. We do it. It's called What's Bugging Ray? And one of the, I pick three topics that kind of bug me that are going on in the league. And one of them uh, last night was that I'm bugged that every year I fall hook, line, and sinker for some team that has a great start. And I think <laughs> they might be better than they are. And this year it was Colorado. So, you know, they got out of the gate and they were, man, they were way out in first place. They were getting terrific goaltending. You could see the problem of, you know, hey, they're a one-line team and, but if they can get a little depth of scoring, I think yeah. they're going to be okay. Well, it's just imploded on them. Their goaltending went bad. Their depth of scoring went south. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it looks like the top line is just gassed. Like they <clears throat> they weren't a factor last night at all. That's Miko Ranton and Gabriel Landeskog and Nate McKinnon. I mean, they in the first two periods, I don't know how it finished up, but uh, Ranton and McKinnon or Rantanen and Landeskog didn't have a shot on that. McKinnon had two. Mm-hmm. Um, so now when you, you look at them, they're, they're four points out of a playoffs spot, and that's because nobody else can win either, right? But they're, when you look at the standings now, um, the way they are, you get the overtime points. I think you have to look and go, okay, what is their real record? And so right now, Colorado is 22, 23, and 11. Mm-hmm. But to me, that's 22 and 34. Right, right. Like, like they are... They're one and eleven in overtime, so they you know they've gotten smoked in overtime. But they're they looked um, they looked disheartened, yeah, um, emotionless last night. I the the Leafs had a pretty easy night of things last night, and for a, a team in Colorado last year, they won twenty eight games at home. They're they've only won ten this year. 
And they've got a lot of good young pieces that are just outside the NHL. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Kale McCarr is a, is a fantastic player. They drafted him number four uh, two years ago. Um, they've got a player, Martin Kaut, who was a first-rounder last year. Uh, player Shane Bowers, who they got in the uh, Duchesne trade from Ottawa. He was their uh, first-rounder uh, as well. Um, these players are, are just sitting outside the league. And then you've got, you know, Ottawa's first round pick, which, um, I think as we speak is right at the very top of the, which would give them a 20% chance at the, at the number one pick or 18% chance at the number one pick plus their own first rounder plus two other or three other picks in the top five. I, I think they're on to something here mm-hmm. that might be okay, but not right now, Steve. They're uh, they're a mess. Yeah, and and the biggest thing to me is kind of their goaltending. Um, like you said, it started off pretty good, and they got Grubauer, and I guess he's going to be the number one going forward. Um, but neither guy seems to be able to play very well right now. Well, they've they've had a you know many many games this year, and in particular in the last six weeks or so, where they've outchanced and outshot their opponents, mm-hmm. and and they give up all kinds of goals. And, you know, it's it's not always on the goalies, but when the save percentage was in the 920s in the first two months of the year, and since then it's under 900, that's, uh, yeah. you know, that, that points a little bit to the guys in the net. Well, I was going to ask you about the Leafs' power play and what you think of that and how what's been going on. I mean, they're mid-pack, but last night was terrific. <laughs> so. They were awesome. Um, you know, I... I yeah, I made a lot of my living on the power play. Mm-hmm. And so I think I have a decent understanding of what makes a power play go or not. It's really it's really so simple to talk about, yet, man, when you get in a rut, it's like you can never make anything work. Your entries become mm-hmm. slow, and so why not just make them faster? Well, I don't know, because you can't. <laughs> right. You, you know, and then... Your passes that you normally make, they're not there, and you try to force it, and then all of a sudden, you know, the puck's down the ice again, and you got to chase it. And it, basically, you do a conditioning skate up and down the ice. The the key to a power play um, being effective over a long period of time, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is that it can't be the same play or two plays all the time. And early in the year, it was puck to Marner across the seam, Matthew scored. Yep. Well, eventually, that got shut off, and it was like, they kind of got stagnant mm-hmm. since um, you know since mid December. It's been the worst power play in the league. I'm sure the three goals last night you know certainly helped th- that percentage. Yeah, at some point. But what they did is, you know, sometimes the puck would be an attack from Marner. Sometimes it would go low to Tavares. One time it went over to Matthews on his side, and Matthews went to Tavares, who went across the net, and it went Matthews Tavares Kadri. It's in the net. Sometimes it goes through Riley, mm-hmm. and when you change up the the points of attack, it gets really difficult for the penalty killers. I, I thought last night that looked like the power play in October. Yeah, uh, although you could see the Avalanche sag a little bit, so you're like, okay. And their well, power play is, and their penalty killing is no good. Right, right. I just they're wonder tw- how much. They're 28th in the league. Yeah, I just wonder how much was due to the Avalanche and their struggles right now. I mean, as a, as a Leaf fan, obviously, I'll, I hope it works. But um, So that's something I was going to ask you was, yes, in a course of a season on a power play I agree with you they, they got to be predictable and everyone scouts everyone's got video do you how often do you change it up like or is it a sense of hey it's not working now we need to change it I mean Badcock and everybody knows you know that it's been since December this thing hasn't worked but 
Why, why, not, why not make adjustments sooner? And I'm sure they were, but why weren't they working the adjustments? Well, you know, there's only so many things you can do on a power play, mm-hmm. right? Like there's only so many attacks you can yeah. have. There's o- only so many plays you can try to work. At the end of it, it's your execution has to be better than the penalty killer's effort. Um, it has to be better because if you execute, then the penalty killers have to change and make decisions as to where they're supposed to be. If it's slow and predictable, those decisions become much easier. Right. And and as I said earlier, so just make it faster. Yeah. But it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> Sometimes the penalty killers don't give you any time. Now, you know, lots was made. The Leafs had uh, 23 shots on the power play, no goals in, in um, New York. In New York. Yeah. But the night before in Montreal, Montreal really pressured them up the ice in, when Toronto was breaking out, and nothing happened. Like they did, they they didn't really do much on the power play. And um, I, I would say, if if I were coaching the penalty killers, I would try to be as aggressive as I can up the ice because I don't want them set up in my zone very often. Right, uh, Jake Muzzin. What do you see from him so far that, that he's bringing to the Leafs? Obviously, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. The trade was made. Uh, I'm a fan of it. What, what do you see from Jake Muzzin so far, fitting in with Toronto? Uh, the first few games, I thought he was terrific. I mm-hmm. think he's taken a maybe a bit of a predictable back step since then. Um, now they're going out to uh, Vegas and Arizona here, and they've got some extra days, so I assume he can pop back to Los Angeles and get maybe a few more things, get organized yep. again. He looks like he's a little fatigued. Um, one thing that I thought was really interesting was last night, uh, you know, Babcock said after the game he didn't like the way that they were breaking the puck out of their zone. Mm-hmm. And so he jumbled all the pairs around. And really what the the sum total of that is is, he doesn't like Riley on the right side. Yep. So he got he got Riley back on the left with Hainsey. He's got Muzzin with Zaitsev, and then he dropped Gardner with Dermott. And um, I, I think this is going to be a little bit of uh, a little bit of Tester's soup, if you will, until the <laughs> until the deadline, until they try to figure out who fits where yeah. best, yeah. and and do they add another guy or not? Um, but trying to trying to get a sense of. You know where's the most comfortable spot for these guys to be? Because uh, you know Hainsey, or I'm sorry, uh, Muzzin and and Riley really struggled uh, in New York. They were on for a couple of goals against mm-hmm. uh, Muzzin. Had two really bad turnovers. Um, maybe they don't fit together. And sometimes guys just do, right. and sometimes guys just don't. And I, I would say it's been just okay for for Muzzin. Uh, after a couple of really good games early on, I, I it's crazy to me as a fan the importance of the left and right side and who can play it and who can't and who looks better on on one side than the other. I just, yeah, I mean it just boggles my mind a little bit. And you really learn that yeah, these guys, are, you know, you just play your whole life in one side and that's it. And it's well, the other side the, is different. What, it, it is different. Like you gotta you gotta think if the if you get a D to D pass, mm-hmm. most often you want the puck in front of you. Yep. Well, in front of you now is means you receive it on your back end, and then you have to turn yourself around the puck so you can yep, pivot it. and pass it on your forehand. Well, if the pressure on the forecheck is really tight, you don't have time to do that. Mm-hmm. And so not only do you have to have good feet, but you have to have really slick hands, I think, to play the other side, especially if you're a puck mover in today's game. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. And like Haynes, he doesn't have great hands. He doesn't have great feet, mm-hmm. but he's played on the right side forever. And he really seems to have a sense of 
you know, when to drop off to take, get the pass so he's got a little more space and time. Right. You know, that stuff seems to work uh, better for Hainsey than it does maybe for some other guys. Color me surprised that Hainsey's getting more ice right now than, than Muzzin. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, like you well, said, sometimes uh, it doesn't work. Sometimes it doesn't yeah, work. I think I think most people felt that Hainsey's minutes would go down. Yes, yes, me too. And and they just haven't. <laughs> right. They, they just haven't. And, you know, he, he's still out there in that first penalty-killing spot. He's out there right away. Um, so he picks up, you know, mm. three minutes a game yeah. killing penalties. True. Um, but after after a goal, lots of times he's on the ice. Um, yep. You know, Babcock trusts him. Yep, absolutely. Uh, all right, let's move on to the Boston Bruins. Uh, David Pasternak, um, injured thumb. I slipped on some ice, I guess, is what, uh, like off ice. He was walking back and slipped or something. Uh, so he'll be out for a little bit for the Bruins. And uh, it's a big blow for them because they are more reliant on, on the one line uh, than, than other teams. Well, <clears throat> Pasternak's a star. Yes. And he is a finisher. And when you look at that line um, with Brad Marchand and, and uh, Patrice Bergeron, um, they they just fit so well because they all do things just a little bit differently. But now you're missing the trigger man, and, mm-hmm. and that will affect the Bruins not only on that line but down through their lineup. Um, apparently, they were at a, a team function, mm-hmm. and about eleven thirty, they were walking back. You know, function was over, and mm-hmm. um, walking back to their car, and somehow he tripped or slipped or something and yep. landed on his hand. And um, now there's there's all kinds of doubt you can throw into a story, but. <laughs> Right, like right. it's, it's, entire, yeah, it's sure. entirely possible he had a couple of pops. Sure, yeah. And um, but does that mean that you trip and fall, or did he just trip and fall? And, <laughs> right. You know, like sometimes goofy things happen. I'm I'm trying to think of the player in Brian Leach. Uh... In Brian Leach broke his ankle, but this year oh, okay. um, I think it was uh, it wasn't Victor Rask, but it was a, another player in Carolina. I think. Um, was cutting chicken oh, yes, in his kitchen. Yes, yes. And, he, <laughs> and he sliced his thumb. He missed like eight weeks. Yes, yes. Right? Like So like real life stuff happens. Yeah. And and for the Bruins, that's a big loss. And uh, I don't think it changes what they try to do at the deadline, mm-hmm. um, but it might speed it up. You know, yep. if you look at the, if you look at the best teams in the, uh, in the Eastern conference, um, you know, Boston still sits fourth. But they don't score very many goals. Only the Islanders um, that are in the uh, in the playoffs score less goals than them. Uh, but the Islanders have given up the fewest goals in the league. Yeah. So for Boston, their margin gets pretty small without Pasternak. Yet they scored six goals last night. Yes. You know, so it's like yeah, sport man. Um, Sometimes it just happens. Pasternak. I mean, I watch a fair amount of Bruins games, obviously against the Leafs, and just for whatever. He's unbelievable. If people don't have a chance to watch him, he's amazing. He's a, an incredible player. I'm scared to death as a Leaf fan every time he's on the ice against the Leafs. He's amazing. Yeah, he, he can skate. He's got really, he's really strong on the puck. He's yeah. got an unreal shot, like a a great delivery. Mm-hmm. I love watching him play. Yep. He's um, he's one of those guys, one of the newish guys, although he's been around four years or so now. That you go, man, that. That guy is fun to watch. Yeah, uh, yeah, and the leech ankle thing. I'd always love to hear the real story behind that. If it really was just simply getting out of a cab and, and breaking right. his ankle, you know, like yeah, I mean, who knows? There's that's been 
and then of course it becomes a you know stuff of urban legend and <laughs> and, and who really knows after a while uh so things are quiet around ottawa right now with their ufas uh duchene and stone apparently this is the week that uh we're going to find out more about what Ottawa wants to do or what the players want to do what have you heard what do you know uh and what do you think they're going to do well, also add Ryan Dezingle into that. He's another unrestricted free agent who's got over 20 goals. And while he doesn't have the same cachet of mm-hmm. Mark Stone and Matt Duchesne, he's, uh, you know, I, I think there'll be lots of lots of traffic on him too. Yep. Uh, the longer this goes on, Steve, the worse it is for Ottawa, mm-hmm. in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, if if the deal was there, it would already be signed. If if Duchesne was solid about eight years in Ottawa, then he would already be signed because apparently that's already been offered to him. Uh, the Stone camp has been really quiet. Yeah. You know, really quiet. And um, it would be devastating to lose both mm-hmm. um, because what you get back is not going to equate to what you lost. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, they're, they're going to try for a first rounder. Well, they'll get a first rounder in both of them, I think. Um, then do you get a top prospect and a and another prospect? Yeah. Or do you get you know like I don't know where the price is going to settle in, but certainly you know if if Ottawa's already got the word or this week is the word that oh they've got to move forward um, and and try and trade these guys, then this is a really difficult game of poker for mm-hmm. uh, Pierre Dorian to play because you want to hold as long as you can uh, to get the best return, but mm-hmm. if you hold too long, then maybe a team goes elsewhere and makes a deal. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like Dorian wants to get something done before, right? That seems so, well, he, can, he, so does, he can get the price that he needs. Yeah, yeah. That, but some team you might get the highest price rate at the deadline. Yeah, and so it's um, he's in a tough, tough spot here. Um, you know, this is one of the reasons, though, Steve. I th- I said last year, and I've always thought that even though they got Brady Kachuk, who's a yeah. a terrific prospect, I thought they should have let the draft pick go last year. Yep. And the reason I thought so is it would be all done. Now they, okay, they're at the bottom of the league, and with or without Brady Kachuk, there seemed like this was going to be a, yeah. you know, a, a, a likelihood that they would be near the bottom. And um, this way you would have your own top five pick. And as it stands now, they don't have that, nor are they going to be able to recoup it in either of these trades. No, absolutely. And then if you have your first pick that, you know, with the highest odds of getting the, the first pick and first overall, let these guys go, get some late first rounders and prospects, and just tear it down. And start again, but now because you know now they're stuck. Yeah, man. totally. They're, they're just they're stuck, and it's uh, it seems like a bit of an impossibility to get themselves out of this um, with their heads above water. Uh, something that you wanted to talk about was Patrick Line in Winnipeg. Look, he's got twenty five goals, which is nice, but they were mostly scored in one month. Uh, he's minus yeah. fifteen. He's a, he's an RFA. That's an interesting topic. Also, um, he's not having the greatest season, as I said. You know, the number looks okay, and his contract status makes him a very interesting subject. Uh, really does. Um, so, eighteen goals in in November. He had three in October, three in November, and I think he's got one since. He's got um, maybe two goals in his last twenty five games. Um, I've done three or four Jets games over the last little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, the one game uh, they were at home, he had four or five one-timers on the power play. One of them, he missed the net. One of them, the goalie made a decent save. One of them, he made a great save. Um, but he's not really creating anything by himself. 
And if I can make an analogy to another sport, it would mm-hmm. be to basketball, to a guy that's just a three-point shooter mm-hmm. that runs down the court. He never handles the ball. He never creates his own shot. But, man, when he gets it, he can, you know, he can shoot the pill. Like he shoots yeah. the rock. Yeah. It goes in. Right. And, and for Lion A, um, I'm finding he's, he's now so in his own head. And this is just from watching, not from talking to him. But right. he looks like he's in his own head that he doesn't skate very much. He doesn't move his big body around the offensive zone. He becomes very predictable. And as a result, there's just not much happening. Now, his contract status is, you know, he's, he's not making himself money. That's for sure. No, no. You know, I mean, 25 goals does look great. Yep. Um, you know, he's second on the team in goals behind Mark Shifley. Um, but if you're in Winnipeg, you, you can't commit a Matthews-like contract to this. No. No, nope. I mean, I, I don't think you can, but right. if, if you sign them for two years, like to a, a traditional bridge contract, you got to be ready, I guess, or accepting that he might blow it right out of the water. And then you get into a PK Subban sort of thing. Yeah. What, like that's the, that's the bet. That's the bid you're making. Right. Do you think if you were his agent and, and, and let's, you know, let's do an eight year deal, let's lock him up, you know, everything else. What do you ask for? Um, what, what's the what's the price range? Do you think an agent would think that Patrick Line is worth? I mean, would they even with this season going on? Like you said, twenty five is a nice number. Well, it, it would be hard to pay him eight or nine million dollars if if this is how how streaky he is. You know, like yeah. you, you, it would be hard because a year ago, like, eight or nine, I'm locking him up all day long. A year ago, at eight, sure, yes. absolutely, yeah, yeah. and and you have to be ready to know. Um, uh, you know, you have to be ready to know that uh, he's going to be streaky at some points mm-hmm. in in his career. But but this is, you know, this is beyond streaky. Yeah. This is yeah. even though they say they're not concerned, it's concerning <laughs> because you know, like one of the right. reasons Winnipeg is considered a Stanley Cup contender is because of the players they have. Mm-hmm. And if one of your best players isn't anywhere near the level that he needs to be, then how could it not be concerning? Right. It it reeks like a bridge deal to me. Right, and then if he if he explodes, he explodes, and he figures it out, then you're on the hook, and you'll you'll okay. But what happens? What happens if in let's say say scores tomorrow? Okay, and then in the next twenty games he gets fifteen goals. At the end of the year, do you do you care that he's got forty? Do you care how he got there, or is it man? He got (laughs) forty goals again. Wow, that's a that's a terrific uh, question, right? I think I think if I'm uh, Kevin Chevaldeoff, I do care how he gets the forty. Yeah, yes, because you would be worried. (laughs) Yes, well, you would be worried that one of those goose eggs comes in the playoffs. Right, right. I mean, but scores scores are streaky. You were one also, Uh, right? Okay, but so do we really know, like? If somebody scores 43 goals, mm-hmm. we look at the stats and say he had a great year. But I'm sure there are times in there where he went, where this player, whoever it is, mm-hmm. went one goal in 12 or yeah. two goals yeah. in 17. I'm sure he did. Otherwise, he'd have 77 goals. <laughs> right. It, yeah. So I, I don't, I, I, it's hard because the difference, Steve, has been so great. Mm-hmm. It's been. It's not like he had five goals one month and a 12 the next and then five. It's three, yes. 18, three. Yes. Yep. You just, but then you look at his, his shot and the way he plays and you're like, 
well, he's got, you know, this isn't a guy, this isn't a plugger guy getting just on a hot streak. You know, this isn't a... No, whoever. it's not a guy yeah. in a career year. Right, that's, right, right. You, it's got a heater. He's right. got incredible skills. So you're like, okay, I'll, I'll bank on that. I don't know. It's a great question. He's a, he's a, he's a tough one right now. I would say of, of the restricted free agents mm-hmm. right now, he might be the most difficult to, to get a handle on. Like Sebastian Ajo, yep. you can see a, a long deal with great. Yep. You know, with great money there. That's a, he's been consistent all three years. He's a very good player, um, but he's not going to score like like Liney. Kyle Connor is thirty one goals last year. He's going to pass thirty one goals this year. Yep. Um, that's going to cost a lot of money. Yep. And then you get back to Liney, and you're like, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, absolutely. It's gonna be that, that'll be interesting. And I think I bridge him if I'm if I'm the Jets, and I just hope, you know. He finds it finds a consistency, a little bit better consistency. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, because the the other thing that they will do is they'll look when you say a bridge, is they'll look to the contracts that are coming off the books in two and three years. Uh-huh. And so those are millions of dollars that you get back. Yeah. And so maybe the way that you sign Line A is to sign him into a year length that comes at when somebody else is coming yeah, off the cap yeah, whatever. Four million. So, so maybe it's three you're saying maybe it's four yeah, yeah, yeah maybe, right well but see i believe four years walks him right to unrestricted free oh, agency okay, yeah. and teams will do that yeah. so it either becomes three or five yep and uh, truba's up too also so yeah truba's yep. a restricted free agent yep. and of course there's been stories around him for well over a year about yep. whether he wants to stay or um you know the jets would love him to stay but yep. um so you know winnipeg is going to be a team to watch Come the draft and this summer, they have got yep. um, you know they've got Truba, they've got Connor, they've got Line A, they've got uh, Myers. Um, you know yeah. they've they've got some they've got some things that they they have to take care of. Yeah, absolutely. Should be fascinating to see what they can do. And 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 they're probably by all accounts, right? They're going to add the deadline, right? They're looking. It, yeah, they're yeah. they're definitely looking for a forward. Um, you know, can you can you get the forward? you know, at the cap space you mm-hmm. want. Yep. Um, but also how much do you have to pay in um in assets of yep. your own to you know yep. but then you look at it from yet another angle and you go, man, we're one of the best teams. Like don't you have to take a run while you can? Yep. Yep. Um hey, so the Anaheim Ducks death march that was going on for a long time. I honestly, I tweeted it out on our Paul Pocky account. I thought it would have been done before. Randy Carlisle let go. There's nothing going on in Anaheim. Uh, it was ugly, and they finally let Randy go. Bob Murray steps in behind the bench, which I found odd. Um, what, what What's your take on the whole situation? Well, um, you're right. There had to be a change, and I think, you know, at a certain point, you know, Randy Carlisle knows that there's going to be a change, mm-hmm. too, and um, after some time, I mean, it it appears you just there's no answer. Like I have you. I don't know. I don't. I don't have an answer. Have right? you been on a team like that? Have you ever had that where it was just you all knew it was coming? You you were playing like garbage. Um, no. I mean, <laughs> when not not like this. Okay. I mean, this had gone on for quite some time. Yes. And um, you, you know, and you know, they were trying to wait until they got uh, uh, some of their players back, and maybe that would change their fortunes and. And that didn't, you know, mm-hmm. so there, they had to make some kind of change. And, and the reason it becomes Bob Murray is probably multifaceted. One is that Dallas Akins is their coach in the American mm-hmm. league mm-hmm. and doing an excellent job with San Diego. 
Um, they're having a very good year. Their young players are prospering there, and they probably didn't want to change that. They want players like Sam Steele and Troy Terry, mm-hmm. um, uh, Max Jones to continue the the upward trend that they're on. They want that to to continue. So they they don't really want to take Eakins away from that right now. Then there's ownership. Hey, do I want to pay another coach to coach the last 25 games of the year? Because you're going to hire a new guy in the offseason anyway. Yep. So it might be, hey, we need to make a change, and you're not getting any more money to hire a coach. So, <laughs> so you've, you're it. You're it. Uh, has Bob Murray coached at any level? I, no, he oh. hasn't. And so what that will do is um, that will thrust a, a lot more of the responsibility onto the, onto the assistants. Right. Right. And um, and they're the ones that will probably take to running a lot of practices. I would say Murray becomes like um, an overseer sure. um, of it all. Uh, feels like this is – they've had a good run, the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. They had a really good run. And uh, feels like they're getting old quick and slow quick, right? Yeah. They had, you know, Steve, they've had, um, they've had six straight years of 100 points. Really? Right? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, that, I read it and I was like, I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that either. That's pretty good. And so, you know, they've they've got a couple of years left at Corey Perry mm-hmm. and Ryan Getzlaff at $8 million bucks. They've got three years of Ryan Kessler at $18 million. Those are really going to be difficult contracts to move around. Yeah. Now, Perry, I watched him, and I think it was his second game back from major knee surgery, and, man, he looked like he had a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I've come back. Uh, unfortunately, from knee surgery during a season, and it's hard. And he looked like he just had no pop in his step. Yep. And and that's not surprising to me at all. Can he get it back in the off season? I don't know. He's not a fast skater anyway. Kessler yep. had no juice. No. Nothing. Yeah. And and this guy has given what he can. Um, he's had multiple hip surgeries, and it looks like the the legs just won't carry him yep. anymore. Now, Getzlaff. I, he looks just beaten yep. and disappointed, uh, but there's, <laughs> there's game left in him. Yeah. 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 I mean, the Kessler deal when they did it for a guy who has a lot of miles on him was a lot of people were like, Hmm, what? That's yeah. That, a, yeah. that seemed, that seemed like a long, it, it a long deal right away. Yeah, it did. Uh, and, uh, well, it'd be interesting to see. It feels like Dallas Eakins has this job, right? I mean, he's certainly done a good job in San Diego, like you said. Uh, he's only got, you know, he. I'm looking at the Edmonton Oilers now from the rear, from the uh, rear view, it seems like he maybe what turfed a little bit, and he actually didn't do that bad of a job. So, well, you know, I, I would say though that job that he took, um, he was young, yep. and you know, very headstrong, and I'm going to do it my way. And now you've been away for four or five years and you learn there's, Oh, Hey, there's, here's the same problem, but maybe I could go at it from a different way. And, and that's experience. I, I think he's grown. And from what I understand, he's grown as a coach Mm -hmm. uh, quite considerably. Um, Yeah. It does feel like it's his job, but um, you know, I guess time will tell. We, uh, we have a mutual friend, Dallas Eakins and I do. And uh, so I follow Dallas on Strava, you know, the, you know, Strava is, and he's, he's unbelievable with his training. Oh, crazy! Yeah, crazy. By, He's, by, he by, rides. Does he still ride those uh, hundred mile uh, I, marathon? I think things? he does. Yes, I think he does. Oh. Yeah, he is. I don't know how he I finds get, the time. I get, I get tired <laughs> driving a hundred miles. Yeah. Um, perhaps the wackiest thing to happen lately in the league is the St. Louis Blues. Uh, somehow, I missed this at some point. 
And I saw, you know, a few days ago, they're in the wild card spot. I, I, they're eight and two in their last ten. They won seven in a row. Wow, St. Louis Blues, everybody. Yeah, they um, they have made uh, an amazing turnaround, and um, you know, this was a team that lots of people felt um, were were going to be uh, a good team in the off season. They added, you know, significant players. Um, yet it seemed like you know, that it would all come together because they're a veteran group and it would be good. Well, they came out of the box and they fell flat on their face Mm -hmm. and then it got worse and they had some injuries, but their goaltending was, was not very good. So 12 games ago or so, um, they brought up Jordan Bennington. Uh, he played over 120 games in the American league. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, since that time he's 10, he's 10, one and one. And so you, you look, his, his save percentage is 927. Yeah. Jake Allen's is 898. And so there's a lot of that. You can say, okay, the goaltending gave them stability. Mm-hmm. Um, it gave them confidence. And, but then also in front of him, the guys and you know, the guys that play, they got going too. like Vladimir Tarasenko's awoken from a, mm-hmm. a season long slumber. I mean, he was, he was not very good. Um, in the, in the first part of the year, like he, he really like right from the very beginning, he, you know, he's not been, not been good, but you go back to the, you go back to the new year. I'm just looking now, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 15, 16, 17 games since the new year, four, five, six, seven, Mm -hmm. eight, nine, 10, 11 goals in 17 games. That's Vladimir Tarasenko. Yep. Right. And so since he's, since he's been able to catch fire that, you know, that, that makes Ryan O'Reilly a better player, you know, it, who would, who had been there probably along with David Perron had been their their best forwards. Uh, They moved Braden Shen to the wing. He's kind of reawoken. Alex Petrangelo is, uh, he's another guy that's a really good player. That's awoken from a slumber. Um, But then you look like, They've still got places to go here. Jaden Swartz has got four goals. Yeah, like he's he's good, and he's got four <laughs> goals. And so I, I, I think this is probably where uh, a lot of people thought the Blues would be. I think so. It, yep. Um, but maybe it's just the same as what we were talking about with Lyonnais. And if he gets a hot, gets on a heater here and gets to forty goals, do you really care how he gets there or? Does it matter that he got there? Like St. Louis is now um, just two points behind Dallas. They've got a game in hand, um, and that would be for the third spot yeah. in the in the what in the Central Division. Like ten games ago, they yeah. were nowhere near any of this. Yeah, it's, right. It's, it's been a remarkable turnaround. Yeah, they beat the Lightning. They swept the Predators. I mean, these are good teams they're beating, and and and, and, and then they pounded Jersey last night. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting, man. And we'll see what they can do from, from here on out. It does seem though, like, like you, you made a mention earlier in the show, like that whole Western conference, like, I don't want it. You take it here, you know? So, but man, I guess, I guess that's parody, Steve. Yeah. Like parody is you got a lot of teams that are the same. Unfortunately Mm -hmm. this year, it's a lot of teams that aren't very good. Um, so these guys, they don't quite fit with the blues, but I have them all lumped together in my sheet here to talk about. 
The Chicago Blackhawks and the Flyers also. Now, this is uh, Flyers 8-1-1. One, one. Uh, the goaltending, Carter Hart, has been very, very good. Uh, the Hawks are 7-3, and three, playing well. Uh, I watched that game against Edmonton, by the way, the other night. Oh, it was bad. Um, on the Oilers' part. Here's where I'm yeah. at with the with them though. So they're they're a little ways back of the of getting into the wild card spot. Both of these teams, and to me, this is so reminiscent of a few Leafs teams that went on a second half run. Like I think this is fool's gold. Good for them. Yeah, it's cool. It's great, but it's just costing you draft picks, man. <laughs> well, but the thing is, you can't just make the players lose. No, and the players no. won't lose. Right. You know, just because. Yep. Um, but where it really becomes, as you called it, and it's correct, is fool's gold, is that you start thinking you're better than you are. That yes. The yes. problem that right. that these teams have is now, you know, until Chicago lost last night, they were, um, you know, what were they? They were seven and two, I guess. And so you you do all of that work to make up to get close. Yeah. You're going to have a stretch here where you lose four or five. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they do that, they're going to drop away. Uh, same with Philadelphia. Philly has been so red hot, mm-hmm. right? They made a, a, a huge comeback last night to beat Minnesota. Uh, you mentioned they're 8-1-1, one, and one, but they've not made a misstep. So if you're Chuck Fletcher, what do you do with Wayne Simmons? He's an unrestricted no, free agent. No, you let him go. You let him go. I, I'm with you. But <laughs> sometime, now, I mean, would Phil, Philly starts looking and they go, you know what? We're only six <laughs> points back. No, no. Yeah, I... I wouldn't do it, right. but I, I understand why teams yeah. do. Yeah, this is like I said. Brian Burke did this a bunch, where you're like, yeah. you're not, you're not that good. It, you're... And and the Flyers have a really like Chicago, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, although Chicago's a little different, but the Flyers have a a really good group of young players. They made a terrific trade with Arizona to get Dylan Strome. Um, you know, they signed a player, Dominic Cahoon, that came over mm-hmm. uh, from Germany. Alex Debrinkitz had a, yeah. his second fantastic year in a row. Um, they have got a lot of younger pieces. I, I wouldn't want to sacrifice to try and just make the playoffs if no, I'm them. No. They've already had their success with, like the Blackhawks have with, uh, I got to cut tied up, the Blackhawks have with their, um, um, with their core group. Yeah. Right. And so, because I kind of screwed that up a bit, I've started talking about Philly, ended up in Chicago. But uh, <laughs> because right. they're, they're, so, they're so different to me, but they're in the same spot. So this is where I, I messed it up. You're the Blackhawks. You've already had your run of Stanley Cups. You've already got this core group. Yep. But now you're transitioning into this younger group. You can't trade away future assets to try and make um, a Hail Mary hope right. with – Kane and Seabrook and Keith and Taves and Taves and Keith or Taves and Kane have had amazing years. Yeah, the Flyers. Yep. The Flyers, on the other hand, they've got a bunch of young prospects. Mm-hmm. Like this is you don't keep Wayne Simmons when you can add more to it. Yeah, that, that's yep. my thought. Yeah, I agree. And and I've been there as a, as a Leaf fan. Like, don't fall for this, General Manager. It's hard not to though, man, <laughs> because the fans are excited. You know, know. you're. You're, the people that buy your tickets, they're excited. Your your coach is excited. Your manager gets excited a bit too. Hey, mm-hmm. maybe this is who we yeah. are. Uh, you know, I yeah. see where it goes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it'll be interesting to see. But the Blues, the Blues, I'm, I'm I'm I lump them in with the Hawks and the Flyers, but they're in a playoff spot and looking good. And they have, you know, a they more, seem different. Yes, they, they do. Seem they seem different. They, they seem different exactly. So uh, 
yeah, we'll see what happens and, and go from there. Anything else catch your eye, Ray, that I missed uh, as far as anything else? What about the Matthews deal? It's a little old now, but obviously. Yeah, well, what, uh, what, what I thought on that was that um, uh, I never saw that five years would be an option. So my focus was always on eight years, eight years, eight years. Man, it's going to be expensive. How are they going to be able to do this? Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, the that's why you have cap guys, and that's why you have lawyers that are – uh, involved in helping negotiate the contracts and finding a new avenue forward. And, um, you know, the five-year deal I didn't see. Right. And, um, you know, um, now they've, so now you kick the can down the road a little bit, but at least it gives them, you know, the next six years of Tavares and Matthews as their number one and two center. Mm -hmm. Um, they'll have to do something with Marner, but you know, now they have Nylander. Do they keep Nylander in the offseason or not? He's starting to look like Nylander well, they have to keep that we're used to. Like, no, they don't. Well, he, Kyle Dubas said uh, he's not going to be traded. Well, yeah, but they don't have to keep him. Well, I know. And, that, and that's why he should have never said that. I don't know why he said that. I really don't. You know, I, I yeah. mean, it's a nice thought. Right. But if you get into a spot and you have to, then yeah. you have to, right? Yeah. Um. So now for Marner, do you just pair it with Matthews in five years? Is this the – No. Oh, you don't? Okay. No, no you because then you, got the, then you got the same thing, Steve, yep. in five years, and they would both be unrestricted. But I almost mean it like you could squeeze more somebody else in the cab and take a five-year run at it, right? Because but maybe you sign Marner to three years. Okay, sure. I didn't think about that. Sure. I thought, you know, like, yeah. because maybe you sign him three years at $10 million, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's, yep. it's going to be really costly. But it's hard right now, like... I saw Miko Rantanen last night, and he really fell off the map here the last eight games. He's got one goal. And, you know, there, it was not that long ago you were thinking, gee, are you paying Miko Rantanen $10 million? Well, are you now? Yeah. There's still 25 games left. And a lot of that will help determine what guys are going to get paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, let's get some Twitter questions. Uh, Kyle Shanks says, um, I remember a month or a half ago, you guys had you guys had someone on who was writing a book on the real life of Olgie Oglethorpe. I know it's yeah, Liam, Liam McGuire. Liam McGuire. So follow Liam on Twitter, Kyle, and um, he'll let you know on that book. And uh, the bu- the book is out now. I think you can oh, it order is? it through Amazon. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So the book is out now. He was supposed to get us a hold of us and send us a copy. Damn it. Right. I'll uh, I'll send him a note. Yeah, you can do that. Uh, Trizent wants to know who'd win an arm wrestle, uh, Gord Miller or Chris Cuthbert. Neither. They'd be in that they'd be in that standoff position. Right. <laughs> and then eventually they'd both go, Okay, this is stupid. Can we go home? One of them would put their hat on backwards like Stallone in that movie. Oh yeah, that was <laughs> that was a key move. It was good. Uh all right. Brad says at uh, Calgary underscore Canuck. Do coaches ever scratch veteran high salary players for poor performance, but publicly say they're a little banged up injured to save face for the player? Yeah, I think so. Probably, I think there's right? a lot of yeah. I think there's a lot of times where you you know you're not going to get the straight goods from the coach, and part of it is that you you don't want to run your laundry mm-hmm. you know your dirty laundry out in public, and um, you know you you say he's a little banged up, whatever, and then behind the the door you're having meetings and going, hey man, you got to get going. Yeah, but it it really rarely does it play to to get into it publicly. Although I I read some stat that. In the say in the eighteen or so games since uh, Jim Lights, the president in Dallas, yeah. went off publicly, like T- Tyler Sagan has been on just a an incredible heater, 
And so I, I don't know. I guess <laughs> maybe, I, I would, maybe come I out and say it's bullshit. It. Yeah, just come out and yeah, start yelling. I, I wouldn't want to do it. I guess. Did you see that uh, Dion Phaneuf was a healthy scratch? Uh, he had yeah. hasn't had a good year, and I always feel for guys like that. You were once right early in your career. Uh, I was healthy scratch. Yep. Before yep. and um, I wasn't later on um, until actually I got to LA and I was I actually got healthy scratched in a playoff game. Which, oh, you did. Oh, I didn't oh, know man, this. That, Oh. I did not uh, handle that very well. <laughs> and um, uh, it's embarrassing. You're frustrated. You're yep. like, I can't believe I'm out of the lineup. Yep. Um, and that's uh, that's something you'd have to deal with when you get older. It's not, yep. it's, uh, I, I feel for him too, because, um, you know, I, but you, you've got to be able to, to play to whatever your capabilities are. And certainly Dion's not the player he was when he was 20, yeah. but they obviously felt he had a lot more to give. Yeah. It, I just always feel for guys like that. And for you too, if I would have known this about this playoff game, I thought it was your only healthy scratch was early on in your career. No, I was in LA. Okay. Um, you just feel, cause you're, you know, you're just like, man, just it, it, the end is coming almost right. Like you're just like, oh, boy. well you, you get, you get there in your head space. Yeah. Um, pretty quickly yeah yep. you know and you're like oh man this is not good how yep. am i going to get back how yep. am i going to play better yep. you know uh happened to somebody earlier this year season earlier this year too also a v- big veteran guy got healthy scratch and i was like oh man that sucks for him that sucks but um, you know what it's funny like younger guys go through it all the time yep. and yep. yeah you know the the one thing is you got to keep fighting right you just right. get your boots back on the next day and and do your best at it uh chef swagger said ray do you have any regrets from your nhl career a fight you should have turned down, no. A hit you should no. have made, a team you shouldn't have played for. Any regrets in that? Uh, in any of those three questions or anything else? Well, not not really. I, I do I do have a regret. I wish I would have been, when I was younger, I wish I would have been a little less selfish. Um, and the reason I say that is that, to me, the only way success could be equated was that I scored. And so if because that was my job but it so if we had won a game 5-1 uh and i didn't get anything i would be really disappointed oh really oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah and and i wish i had been more mature to to handle that better than than i was uh but but i didn't i think i would have been a better teammate had i done that um but i i just i just didn't and i i would like to unwind those days if i could right uh mark perot said what would ray uh, Ray Ferraro, TSN, due to fix the Edmonton Oilers uh, specifics, like who he would move and who he would go after. Also, will he be applying for the Oilers GM position? Yeah, no, I won't be applying for the position. I'm, um, I, I'm really flattered. People think that you know that I, I could be you know in management, and I think I could be. However, to to be a general manager, you you can't just come from no experience to that job. I, I just it's a two. It's too complicated. It's too involved, and and um, I I think I could be an assistant, mm-hmm. but I don't think I could be a manager. As to fixing the Oilers, um, they got a long road in front of them. And one of the things I would do is um, I would hold on to my draft picks. Mm-hmm. I would try to acquire younger prospects. Um, I would try to move some of my older players because I know they've you know dumped in the ditch here on um, uh, on McDavid's first couple of years. Mm-hmm. But don't waste them all, you know, chasing your tail. Like, get more skilled, get faster, and and it might take you a year or so, maybe two, but all of a sudden, you know, Connor McDavid's surrounded by 
some skilled high-speed players because right now he's not, and that's one of the problems that they have in Edmonton. That's that's really would be my initial focus. The only thing I can see that would make a difference, and and you'd have to kind of fleece another GM is, I think you got to look at shopping R and H, and just try to you know because he's he's what you have a value right, and he's he's a little redundant, and, and I, I don't know just well yeah I understand I, that I but. So what are you trading him for? Well, that's just yeah. You you have to try to get like a ransom. Like you have to try to and and know. so to trade one good player for another good player, that's just like no, taking your it, finger out of one hole yeah, in the dike no, and I sticking mean, it in another. Yeah, you got to get multiple pieces. You know, and and, and, and I don't I don't know, I don't know anymore what I feel about the multiple piece trades because okay. I think you lower your value of the pieces you're getting back. Yeah, yeah. You know, instead of getting five pieces, how about getting two really good ones? Yeah. Uh, Hunter's Helmet says, hey, Ray, given your Atlanta experience, what advice would you give to the Ducks player finding it hard to go to the rink these days? And maybe not the Ducks, but just any losing team. And, and you know, like you said, the, the Ducks got a lot of veterans. What did you do? Um, well, you're hopeful that the guys you're around are good guys. We had we had a lot of fun in Atlanta, even though we didn't win very much. We had some really, really good people around. Um, I, I would tell them, though, um, Try and stop and look around that you're in the NHL because sometimes it doesn't feel like you are because you just get your tail <laughs> handed to you all the time. Right. But try try and understand that because when it's gone, it's gone. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And and I miss it. I mean, even at even at my age, I you know I've been yep. retired now since 2002. I I miss being part of the team. I miss sure. going to the rink. I miss the struggle of trying to be good. I miss all of that stuff. Right. Right. So sit around, maybe yeah. Open your eyes, appreciate it. Try to look around. Try to try yeah. To have I mean, fun. it sounds yep. pretty. It sounds pretty new agey and all that, <laughs> but but it's really very true, right? Uh, Dustin V says, "Why does Ray state in NHL 18, the video game, that Gordy Howe only achieved a Gordy Howe hat trick once in his career, when in fact it happened twice?" I mean, I've always read it just happened once. I don't know. That's that's all that I know is right. that it happened once. So <laughs> now. This fella here says it's happened twice. Everyone else has told me it's happened once. I agree. So I'm going to go with everyone else, yeah. just because. Yeah, right, exactly. I'm with you. Um, all right, let's go. Uh, Josh says, Ray, what's your favorite memory of the Civic Arena besides Game 7, 93? Well, in oh, in Pittsburgh? Yeah, Igloo. Yeah, the Igloo. Um, besides really Game good, 7. Really good story here. Um, so we were in Hartford, and mm-hmm. our coach was Jack Evans. Mm-hmm. And the rink, uh, you would enter from corners, right? Yep. So on the same side of the ice, both teams entered, the benches were across. And so, but when they closed the doors, it was really kind of confusing as to where they were. It was really weird. Like everything looked the same. Okay. So one morning skate, we're at the end of the morning skate, and our coach was Jack Evans, who's passed away and was just a terrific guy. And he comes up, he says, Hey, where's the bloody door? <laughs> and so we had, we're like over there and like somehow he had gotten confused as to where it yeah, was. Yeah. And there was another thing I remember was there were these two fans that sat by the bench in Pittsburgh, by the visitor's bench. And they used to, they were on me all the time and they, they used to call me rat boy and they had these signs. <laughs> rat <and>, boy. <laughs> yeah. So they had, a. um, uh, a mouse, like a 
plastic mouse that sometimes they would hang it. Sometimes they would have it in a trap. And uh, I, I always found that kind of funny. <laughs> uh, Iserbaz says, uh, Ray, given the amount of time a team spends together, how did you deal with playing on a team with guys you, you didn't get on with? There's bound to have been uh, one or two. Of course. It's yeah. like any, any business or mm-hmm. any job. There's, you don't get along with everybody. And, um, and, you know, some people don't get along with you. So, you, you know, there's lots of guys to hang out with. And if you, you know, you're going for dinner and you don't want to go for dinner with a guy, you go with somebody else. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you, it, it really isn't that big a deal because it's not, you're not thrown in so tight that you've only got two or three guys to yeah. hang out with. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's not like a. Were there? I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of something a smaller team like. Um, basketball. You know, it's not like basketball. The, yeah, twelve guys. It, you know. Twelve guys. Yeah. You know, like, you know, it gets it gets pretty. It would get probably pretty redundant. You see the same guys all the time. Were you on a team where there was like one guy that like like okay so say you don't get along with a guy there's probably another guy on the team that likes that dude right and and whatever they have their clicks and yeah was it, were you on a team where pretty much everyone didn't like one guy. No. Okay. So, no, I can't. I can't think right. of one. So everybody's um, got a friend at some point. Like somebody, you know. I mean, somebody's got um, uh, somebody's got somebody that yeah. bugs them, but somebody else like you know, like yeah, yeah. not one yeah. guy that. Uh, Gab Chartier says, "Ray, are you going to be in the TSN studio for trade deadline day? And how excited are you for the big day?" Yeah, I am. Uh, I am in there uh, actually. Uh, we start at 8 a.m. Eastern, oh. um, and we are in there all day. Uh, Gord Miller and I will leave at 4 o'clock because we have the Leafs-Buffalo game that day. So that will be a long day. How mad, um, yeah. Um, excitement, um, as long as they don't trade everybody in the 10 days before. You know, like, it's always exciting. It's always fun to see how the teams are reshaping themselves and uh, – trying to get a leg up on the competition. Mm-hmm. But when the trades all happen seven days in advance, you're like, oh, yeah. man, not another one. It's been a bit of a dud the last little while because GMs are just getting it done sooner, you know? So Right. Um, Dennis Malice says, uh, Ray, any team out there you'd like to see ditch their current jerseys and bring back the older vintage one? Oh, I like the fact that Caps wear their older one. now. I, I, like, the, I like those older ones. Yeah. Um, what about the flying uh, V? What about- uh, no, gosh, no. I, I did not like Tampa's new third jersey. I thought that was rotten. Um, the all-black one with yeah. the gray number. Yeah. I, yeah. No, I didn't like that. Um, no, you know, I don't know. I I didn't mind jerseys uh, when they went back to their original ones. Yeah, the green with the green on it. Yeah, and I, yeah. and I don't know if I liked it or just because it was different. Yeah. You know, I, I love Winnipeg's new jerseys, but I wouldn't mind them wearing the old jet crest yep. once in a while. I, I really like that. Um, yeah, no, no, I'm not uh, I'm not seeing anybody that I, I'm looking really? through the teams. Okay. Yeah. What, I, about, no. what about the Canucks? Just the, not the flying V, but the, 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 the... Yeah, any, I, I don't like Vancouver's jersey right now. I, I'd like to... You know, I don't know if they could go back to the stick in the rink. You know, the yeah, original yeah, one. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a little dull uh, by itself. But I, I don't. I don't. Eh, no. I don't know. I like the original six. I like simplicity. So if I were to change any of the jerseys, it would be that they would become more simple. But not a fan of the Hurricanes wearing the whale. 
Not a fan. No, no, I was not. <laughs> I couldn't disagree with you more. Though. That was awesome. But uh, you know, you have the you have the Hartford Whaler. You actually no, played no, for I, him and I, put the jersey on. I get on. why it was awesome. Yeah, I just don't see any connection whatsoever. Right, right. Um. All right. Well, who will be a who will be the coach of the Maple Leafs one year from now? Babcock. Mike Babcock. I I, I don't know why I asked that. I don't know why. That yeah. Why listened. did you? I don't know. Why did that person ask that question? Well, because he's thinking if the Leafs lose in the first round, would they make a change? No chance. No chance. Yeah, I don't know. Um, all right. And then uh, somebody wants to know, did your outdoor golf game, uh, golf practice get canceled due to the snow? You guys got snow there in Vancouver. Yeah. No, actually, I, I, I hit balls in the morning because we had a little extra time because all the kids' soccer got canceled because the fields were frozen. But you can hit balls um, – uh, on a, off a mat yeah. and in in kind of a heated stall. A lot, lot of driving ranges have them. Oh. And so um, that's what I did. And then as we were finishing, I said, uh, man, it's getting kind of dark. And we're like, yeah, it kind of is. And then we left, went home, and then like a, two hours later, there was a couple inches of snow on the ground. Jeez. So I got it in just in time. Vancouver living. That's Vancouver living for you. It, right? it is, yeah. man. Uh, and it comes, for, it comes for a week or 10 days, and yeah. then off it goes. Uh, all right, game of the day. Uh, Ray Ferraro, game of the day, February 13th, 2001. You have any idea, Ray? You're playing for the Thrashers? Oh. Uh, Buffalo? Did I get a hat? Uh, oh, I I think I scored that night. Um, actually, a really nice three-way passing play, if it's the game I'm remembering. Um, it, it's not, with, because you would have already said it. Okay, yeah, no. You got a hat trick. Against, I got a hat trick against Buffalo. Yep, against Marty Baron. Uh, five. Four. You know what? What? I didn't know that. I've got to send Marty a note like in three minutes. <laughs> five four win for the Thrashers. You got uh, three goals scored in each period. Uh, Slager got an assist. Audette got an assist, and then Brunette and Slager on the on your third goal against bu- against Buffalo. Yep. Marty really? Baron. Because I, I know I got one hat trick in Atlanta against Boston. Mm, well. But uh, Buffalo, I did not know this. Nat Domicelli scored the with six minutes oh, to go. He got the winner. Yeah. Nat is now uh, an agent in Switzerland. Oh, okay. Um, yep. And Audrey got in a fight. Attaboy, Audrey. Attaboy. Had to keep the flies off. Who did he fight? Rob Ray. Shocker. Oh, Shocker. Poor guys. Yeah. <laughs> they had their they had their 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 yearly meeting or whatever their their daily meeting right. Uh, so right. yeah, you had your twenty uh, second, twenty third, and twenty fourth of the year. So nice work. And uh, you were plus four on the ninth. Three even strength goals. Also six shots on net. Just wow, a force. that was a good buff- Buffalo. Must have been terrible that night. <laughs> Just a force. Uh, all right, Ray. So big week for for us here in Vegas. The Toronto Maple Leafs are in town tomorrow night. Valentine's the Day. Game. Oh boy, have a nice date. Enjoy the day. My wife asked me to get get a prediction from you. Uh, Vegas right now is kind of struggling a little bit. I think Vegas will play well because I I just had read that Gerard Gallant, as he rarely does, was yeah. pretty heated after the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but Toronto's rolling pretty good right now. So I think Vegas will play well. I think it'll be a good game, but I think Toronto will win. Okay, she told me to tell you that if you said Toronto was going to win, you're wrong. So Of course. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so, yeah, looking forward to that. Big, big, big day for us here in the household. So it'll be exciting. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. As always, send questions into at Paul Pocky on Twitter. Uh, Ray, enjoy the week. It is. Thank you for the time. Thanks for educating us on the great game of hockey. And, uh, yeah, man, we'll see everybody next week.
Yeah. See you next week. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Let us know what you like or don't like and what we can do. Uh, tell your friends. There let, you them, go. Uh, let them know. And uh, we love doing it. And we hope you listen again.